This is Mike Bartolomeo, pastor of Church for the Harvest in Alexandria, Minnesota. The Bible is the Word of God. Within its pages are revealed God's perfect will and plan for mankind, the answers to life's hardest questions, and instructions on how to live a victorious Christian life. I believe the following message can change your life if you will let it. Join us now as we share the Word of God today. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you. I humble myself before you, God, and I ask that you speak through me. Give to your people what they need here today. And Lord, and I thank you for that breakthrough anointing over a spirit of fear. You must bow to the name of Jesus. And I just declare the name of Jesus in this building, in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to talk to you next few weeks, just a mini-series, and see how far it goes. Uh, but about... Dreaming big and daring to fail. And you say, well, that's the last thing I want to do is fail. <laughs> I want to succeed. I mean, and I think as we get into here, a couple of verses, we're going to find out how the enemy paralyzes us with a spirit of fear to fulfill what God has called in our life. Second Timothy chapter 1, 2 Timothy chapter 1, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power love, and of self-control. So God isn't giving us a spirit of fear, but he is giving us what? He's giving us power. That's exousia in the Greek. Love, all right? Uh, his agape love and self-control. Hear me. Let me just interject. You feel, you know, as a Christian, I, I just can't seem to resist the temptations of the devil. And he's so strong and it seems like it's overwhelming. And I, I just, woe is me. So I just give up. Eh, that's a lie. If you're truly in Christ and you know the Lord and you are born again, God says, I give you a spirit of self-control. That means you don't have to drink, become an alcoholic. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Addicted to something or whatever it may be, something that drives your life. You can be set free. God has given us. So, so if we believe that and we really, you know, determine to access that, we can receive that. That is there. God, that's what God has given to us. Power, love, and self-control. Somebody say Amen. And then, but another translation says it is, God did not give us a cowardly spirit, but a spirit of power and love in good judgment. Uh, Isaiah 41.10 said, God said, fear not, for I am with you. He said, yes, we've heard those things before, Pastor, and that's good, but I still, I, I, it grips. Fear is like a straitjacket. And it, I remember as a kid, oh, grew up in Boston, Mass. We were in this little suburb called Dorchester. And it was, my dad was smart. He got us out in time because gangs were coming in. And this was back in the late 1960s and early 70s. And he moved to the South Shore. But he, he got us out. And I can remember taking snowballs and putting rocks in with the neighbors and my sisters and just throw them in them and then throw them back. I mean, it was beginning then. And we were so little. And I remember going to a trash can. And these kids had a knife. And they threw it in uh, this uh, uh, trash can, and um, I picked the knife up, and, and I started uh, looking at it, and these kids go, hey, what are you doing? I'm, I'm petrified, so I, I take off running, how many know, the wrong way, like this, <laughs> and I tripped over the sidewalk, and the knife came in and just stuck me right here. Thank God it didn't hit my eye. And it stuck me right here. And so then my mom comes out, and I was in front of the house. We were living in a three-level apartment. And so I'm screaming, ah, 
you know, blood's coming down. And, and so she didn't know what to do, so she tried to pull it out, but it was, it was in there. <laughs> Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? And, and so they bring me to the hospital. This was the day where you didn't get candy. You didn't get all, you know, the funny things that they play to help you at the hospital. They put me in a straitjacket. I was out of control. I could not move. I was so claustrophobic. I was screaming, and they're sticking needles and pulling it out and stitching, and I was fine. I made it. But <laughs> so, so what am I trying to say? A cowardly spirit can grip us, bring fear in our lives that we don't step out and do what God wants us to do, which brings me to one of my main points, and it is this. One of the greatest things... I believe, that holds back not only just a Christian church, what I mean that in general, but Christians in general, is the fear of getting out of the will of God by doing something that creates failure in their life. Somebody say, amen, oh me. That affects so many people. They don't, they don't want to be a failure, and they don't want to you know, do something that because you never know, I saw so-and-so, they did this, and it really crashed and burned. And, you know, and so we just live in a, this protection mechanism, and we don't dare to do anything, to step out. How many know if I would allow the spirit of fear uh, to start a church? How many know that's kind of a pretty... I mean, we didn't come in and take over this church. We started in our living room with three people. <laughs> How many know that's intimidating? And you preach for months, and still, there's only three people there. Amen? <laughs> I went through all that. And then you step out, and you go, you know what? We're going to go in the tech school. And I stepped out and, uh, of, uh, around October 2000. We, we moved into there with a handful of people. Preach. And you know how many know you had to overcome fear in that? That began to fill up. And then so we, well, let's go to the Discovery Middle School. That was a big step because we went from Sunday night to Sunday morning. Now you think, well, it's no big deal. Oh, no. Oh, no. Sunday morning is the sacred for, for, you know, most Christians. That's the church. But Sunday night, you can show up. People show up with their jeans and coffee cup and go, this is crazy Italian. He's all right. You know, it's good. But, you know, commitment is Sunday morning. I can remember wrestling with that, saying we got to go to Sunday morning. And it was October 2002, and we did, and we had about... 25 or 30 people, I went, well, praise God, let's move on, and the rest is history, God's continually to, and, and this is our final destination here, amen, it's not, I know a lot of you are comfortable, you look around, it's great, it's great, God has more people, see, this church, we're like the goldfish in the bowl, how many of you know that goldfish is going to stay the same size unless it gets into a bigger bowl, people need to know, People need to see, and people will be blessed. I believe that as we move forward. How many with me say amen? So, but this, going back to this thing about fear here, I think a lot of it comes from the picture that we have of God. And it, it may be, which is really steeped up in this region, uh, many people have a, this total this sovereignty of God. So God is sovereign, and there's nothing you and I can do. And, 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 and it's just, you know, Whatever God has preordained and predetermined, that's it. And, and uh, you know, many people, they live under that and they didn't take any steps because why should they take any steps? And you see that mindset of the sovereignty of God, I struggle with because I believe God is sovereign in his kingdom. But hear me, if God is sovereign, then why do you need to pray? Just because it's good for you? Can prayer change things? Come on, are you with me? <laughs> See, wh why do things need to be changed if God preordained everything? Come on, are you with me? 
And so he's sovereign in his kingdom. That's why he said what? Thy kingdom come. I want you to pray for my kingdom to come. Why? It's not being done on earth. And I want what's up there down here. I know someday we're going to be up there. But right now, we want to bring heaven to earth. Just like we prayed. Amen? And so, and so wow, let me just move on here. It's a lot how we orchestrate our Christian life. If we are on pause constantly... How many know what I mean by that? Oh, we are stepping out. See, I tell people with mission trips, this is what I say about mission trips. You heard me say this before if you attended. Every mission trip is a green light. Oh, Pastor, just no way. I've got little ones, whatever. For you, it may be a red light at this time. Amen, Pastor Mike. That was really good. We so appreciate that counsel. How many with me say amen? Really, I mean, maybe the Houston isn't, or Mardi Gras is not, but maybe Africa is, or Sri Lanka, or so. I don't know. Maybe there's a place we could go that you know of, amen, and that we could do here, stateside, or even in our region. How many with me say amen? So, so the, the mindset, I think, ha, that we have and we embrace is very important, and you have to kind of, you have to take stock of how you believe and what you believe about God, but I think what holds back so many Christians they had this fear of getting out of the will of God because he already preordained everything. And so if I take that step, God might be saying, you screwed up, you messed up, and now I'm done with you. Amen. We don't say that, but we think that. Some of it's our past. Maybe it's a dysfunctional family situation. Maybe you had an unloving father or uh, unnurturing mother. And so, so we think God kind of walks around with his knuckles dragging, you know, ready to hit you upside the head when you make a mistake. And that is a mindset that many people, especially if you come from a real strong, uh, uh, what's the word I'm trying to say here, uh, traditional, religious, legalistic background, you know, where you, you can't wear makeup, uh, you know, can't shave your legs, you know, I mean, no deodorant, come on church, can I get an amen? No movies, movies are bad, but it's okay, you can watch Netflix at home, because nobody sees you, right? A amen. Come on, are you with me, amen? <laughs> I'm just meddling. So, so we think God walks around, and he's waiting to get us all the time. That's not the heart of the Father towards us. It's not the heart of the Father. I want to make that clear. I grew up... And kind of under that, and, and there's a term that they use in, in counseling, it's called performance orientation. Some of you know what I'm talking about. PO is what it's called, and, and, and it's, some of you struggle with that. I struggle with that, my, my wife. It's this gnawing voice that says, you're not enough. You just, it's not enough. Well, I just finished this right here, and I cleaned this count. It's not enough. You didn't do it as good as you could. How many know that that can be maddening? <laughs> now, some of you can, it's fine. I don't care, you know. But, but for the us that struggle with it, like, oh, my God, they didn't do that right. Because <laughs> some of you, you know, you walk into a building, you go, why is that thing there? That should not be. We need you to help us to see the things. I'm aware of a lot of things, but this, I can't fix everything. Amen. So my point is, is you understand that you get that. And, and, and is this feeling of never good enough, never good enough. And I struggle with that. I mean, when I was in Bible school, I, I had a passion to see people come to Christ. And, 
I, I, I would take teams. I was over the evangelism team. I had a 10-foot cross, and I built this cross and would carry it through Dallas and Fort Worth and, and uh, Arlington area and, and then took it to New Orleans Mardi Gras. And then we lived in New England. I built another cross and took it up uh, the coastal part of uh, Massachusetts near Weymouth and Boston. And, and, and just, you know, people thought I was nuts, but, but I, I just had this driven, and I felt God was also doing a work in my life at that time. He was showing me that he loved me just because the way he made me. That I didn't have to perform. Amen? I don't, I don't, I'm not on, on this performance thing. That, so, and now, so my life and relationship has come more in sync with, I trust him. If I didn't get up at 4 a.m. to pray for four hours, come on, can I get an amen? Remember that time? Could you not tarry? How many with me say Amen. The older people know what I'm talking about. Those over 50, the younger people over 50 know exactly what I'm talking about. You've been under that. It's just like, oh, it's just not enough. But our God is more than enough. Amen? Hallelujah. So it's, sometimes it's this theological picture we have of God. It's like, if I could illustrate, like watching a movie. And you have no power to change it. You just watch it. There's scenes that you laugh. There's scenes that you cry. and There's scary scenes. There's bory, boring parts. And, and, but you, you, all through the movie, you feel you have no power to change that movie. It's just running. And many of you feel that's how your life is. It's just running. There's nothing I can do to change that. Friends, that's not the Christian faith at all. It's not a biblical worldview. It may be Islamic. It may be Hinduism. But it's certainly not Christianity. What are you trying to say, Pastor Mike? If you read the Bible rightly, watch this. We have a God who brings into the universe a real world and brings in real people that make real choices. And there are real options in your future. Can I get an amen? Some of you don't believe that, but it's true. You know, sometimes we think that the best kind of world would be one in which there were, there were no risks. There were, you know, no options at all where, where you say everything in life is kind of pre-programmed. And, and, and some believers are looking for this a firm, clear picture of what am I supposed to do, of what my future looks like. In other words, we don't have to think anymore. It's... it's we don't have to make any difficult choices, and, and that can be wearisome on us, and it's not going to be scary, our future, and, and it will just simply move according to the flow. Here's the thing. When God built into this world, he built into it things that, he can, that can excuse me, go wrong if people mess up, if they screw up. Free will, choices with consequences, etc. But here's the thing. God thinks that this is the best kind of world there is at this time. It's what we have. It's what we live in. Let me just quickly touch on, mostly applies to the men, especially we'll get into uh, next week, but it can apply to women too. But God has built into man's heart three things, and just say this quickly. Uh, they want to be involved in a risky adventure. They want to be in something where they take a risk, um, it's first and foremost, it's something, something I could say it like this that at times scares the fat right out of you. Men have that, but mostly. This is kind of like, we want to do something. And uh, I think of the missions trip that we went down there to Mexico, and we didn't plan on this, but we got in the middle of a drug cartel shootout. And this was in 2012, or 2010, I think. 
And it made the front page of the Echo Press, an article about our church we interviewed. We were all protected. There were some people that were killed down there. It was pretty intense. And, uh, but after that, we, we literally ran across the border. And I didn't have any money on me. I had to borrow 60 cents from one of the guys to get back into the U.S. Because uh, they charged 60 cents. And when we got there, we were just shell-shocked. Just like, what just happened? And so we processed that through the months, and the point I'm trying to say is, is that after a while, but every time I see an individual that was there, I have a connection with that guy, because we lived through some difficult times. We got a history there. It's like brothers in arms. How many hear what I'm saying? And so, so they want to be involved in a risky adventure, every man, or you know, a woman, they want to find, especially this searching, he's looking, he's searching for something. For a man, he's, he's what? He's looking for his beauty. Some mysterious beauty to be unveiled in his life. And, and let me just say this specifically to men. That's why many men get into sexual problems. It's not because of sex per se. It's because of the hunger to find something mysterious and beautiful. And a woman wants to know that in her life, there is still something wonderful. There is still something mysterious. Still to be unveiled. Every woman wants that. How many with me say Amen. So God made the world like himself, and he built into the hearts of men and women that, that desire, and it, it mirrors what he is like, the scriptures tell us. And then three, he wants to be involved in a battle or a war, or I could say this, he wants to stand up for something, a cause him to stand up for. In other words, there's this innate desire that if he's really going to live a fulfilled life, he has to stand up for something. And you know, teenagers go through this, and I love my son dearly, and he's just ready soon to graduate, but he's at that season. And that's a season where he's like, what do I believe? Why do I believe it? And it may not be exactly what daddy or mommy believes. How many here with me say amen? And you, you deal with that with kids. And, and a lot of times they're just trying to find their identity in that, and, and, and they want to stand up for it. And so, so that's a good thing. That's a natural thing. It's supposed to happen. And uh, I remember, you know, my dad went into the army, and and, and I thought about that, and I thought the military, I'm like, well, God forbid I can't go in the army. My dad did that. I got to go to the Marines. Yeah, you know, I got I to stay there. Marines, you know. Amen, all the rest of the servicemen, we love you. God bless you. But the few, the proud, the Marines, amen. That was one reason I joined the Marine Corps. You know, the core values are honor, courage, and commitment. And the thing that drew me was this, 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 this emphasis, watch this, in the military um, pertaining to uh, performing morality on and off duty, being a, a moral fighting man while you're on duty when you're off duty. And that starts from recruit training and boot camp and that carries on even into combat, that courage, honor, and commitment. So God sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world, and Jesus took a risk to come here, did he not? He took a huge risk. But the greatest risk he took is when he led people like us to represent him. <clears throat> when he picks people, regular average guys and girls, he does risky things. He does really cool things, too, when he picks us, if we let him. Now, some of us, we, we live very fearful lives. They, these lives paralyze us because of the spirit of fear, this cowardice from stepping out. And maybe you say, well, you know, I've done that in the past. I'm a little bit older, Pastor Mike. And I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. But I've kind of come to a happy medium where I've settled in right now. And that's not for me. 
I'm glad there's some young bucks, you know, they can go do that. But right now, I'm just going to put it on cruise control. Let me tell you, there is no cruise control for the Christian until you, like Billy Graham, go home to be with the Lord. Amen? It doesn't mean you can, you can run as hard as you did when you're in your 20s, but you can still move forward. Amen? So, um, <clears throat> you know, here's the thing about failure. When people say, well, you know, you failed in that. No, you didn't. You tried something different. You stepped out. You, you stepped past your fear. You took a step. But I lost money on it. I lost the house. I lost this. You at least tried something. May have been a costly lesson, but you tried. You didn't allow fear to keep you from go- doing all that God has called you to do. How many with me say amen? So very quickly here, we're going to receive communion. But I'm going to go through these very quickly here about this thing with fear. Moving from fear to faith. And let me just say this about fear. How many know that we all struggle with natural fears? Some have fear of flying, uh, fear of snakes and spiders. <clears throat> I, have, I can't stand heights. I'm just telling you, I just don't like it. I remember one time, I think I shared this with my wife, we went to uh, the Grand Canyon, and there's this uh, glass that you can walk out, and it's straight. No, no. And I just, I just, you know, she's out there, and you know, oh, I was like, if you fall down, I'm not coming to get you. <laughs> I can't because I am afraid of heights. How am I with me? Say amen. And so, I mean, just talk about this natural fears and, and things like that. Some have fear of water and swimming and that. And these are just, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about where the enemy comes in and you don't move forward in the things of God because of that. So, what does fear do? Number one, fear distracts us from our purpose. Simply stated, our purpose is to love God and to love others. Fear, in its various expressions, become a distraction. And I thought, well, what do you mean by distraction? It's an extreme agitation of the minds and emotions. And so if you feel like you have this extreme agitation in your mind and your emotions, it may be you allowed a spirit of fear in your life to diminish that from the purposes of God. <clears throat> fear diminishes our witness. It diminishes our witness. You mean the fearful heart cannot translate into a faithful heart. Bible talks about that. The gospel message is one of grace and transformation. Faith transforms us. Well, fear, it paralyzes us. And I think to look up that word paralyze, it means it renders you unable to think or act normally. Maybe you're gripped by a spirit of fear that grips you from acting or thinking normally. You know, there's a movie that came out in 2017. It's called... uh, the Darkest Hour. It is about Winston Churchill in World War II. It's a riveting movie, great movie. Uh, and it talks about how he was newly appointed prime minister, and he had the, the task of negotiating with the Nazis, uh, 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 Hitler, and the regime for concession of uh, peace and surrender or fight. And throughout the movie, I mean, the king was against him. His war cabinet was against him. Everyone was against him. I just marvel at this man. And the, he would walk into the parliament and he would thunder. And, and you know, they, people were jeering. And, you know, just, he just was like a, a, a duck out of water there. But he, he said, we can't surrender. He, that's courage. He was courageous. And I just thought the weight... He even got to a point where quietly he even considered because everyone was against him. Everyone. 
He was standing. We cannot succumb. We cannot negotiate with the tiger, Hitler. We must fight on. And history tells that his boldness, he said, it really came down to one word, a choice. And that really is what fear, fear is a choice. And people that have done marvelous and great things or stepped out and broken past, it isn't that they had no fear. I'm not talking about the guy that, you know, jumps off the bridge, you know, with a bungee cord for 500 feet. No fear, you know. um, Once again, heights interject. But I'm talking about that really you faced your fear. You faced it. See, I'm scared of that, but I'm going to trust God is bigger than that. And I know that seems, you know, when we had to build our, we didn't have to, but I made the choice to build our first home. And I remember just looking out, we had 20 acres of property. I just thought, okay, I mean, I can do this. And, and I studied, I went to the uh, uh, library and I learned all I could learn. I had some construction experience and I did everything I could. And, and I remember starting saying, let's begin. And I built that home. And I remember someone came up to me and said, geez, aren't you scared? Because there was bulldozers out there, there was excavators, everything. I said, you know what? I faced that fear and I stepped past it and here we go. That's how you move forward. Amen? Amen. So very quickly, fear diminishes our witness. What else does fear do? Fear defeats... Whoops. I don't know what's going on here. Fear defeats our commitments. Our commitments. Ephesians 4, 7, Paul writes, Do not give the devil an opportunity. Somebody shout opportunity. That's fear. Fear, it actually is talking about in the midst of practical observation of what holiness is. And so Paul gives simple insight in what will defeat our commitments. And it's to that very thing. What? Fear is one of the opportunities we offer the devil all too often. So we allow the devil, when we, when we, when we operate in fear, to operate in our life. To operate in our life. Fear, rather than faith, defines our passions. We're talking about moving from fear to faith. Um, how many have ever been on Facebook lately? I don't know. I'm not on it. I know we, we have a family page, but, you know, you could probably, it could be nicknamed fear book when you think about it. Come on now. <clears throat> some of you are like, yeah, no big deal. Not, but some of you, it's fear. Why? Because you got to put something out there. And I don't know why people put these things out there. I just, <laughs> I don't want them to know. But anyhow, everybody wants everyone to know their business. And, and, and then they wonder why things come back and people criticize it and whatever. And it's just like, and it produces fear. Too many people's passions, those causes, concerns are consistent, consistently hammered upon. And, and they're what? They're rooted in fear. Will they like me? Will I get a lot of hits? Wow, look at all the hits. I feel so consoled that there's so many people out there. Come on, church. Our life is more than a hit. Amen? Amen? <laughs> Some of you don't believe that. Oh, no, pastor, that's my life. The challenge is take an honest look at what consumes your time, your energy, and your thought. It may be rooted in fear. Just a thought. I'm your friend. I love you. I'm your pastor. Amen. You know, I, I get that too about how things can accelerate with, you know, social media and your Instagram account or Twitter or whatever. And I started it one time with the Twitter and because the kids were frustrated. They said, Dad, you need to tweet. And I said, so I tweeted like eight, ten times in one day. And then they came back, too many times. I'm like, what's the right amount? 
<laughs> I guys gave up on it. I'm sorry. You know, actually, we need those things in the church, but I'm not the guy. I'm sorry. But we need them. Amen. And I get it. I remember I was working on my, I'm almost done here. I was working on my son's car. I'm still working on my son's car, trying to get that oil, crankshaft oil seal to stop leaking. I've changed it five times. And so I went on and started a blog, a forum, and it's Tiburon Forum. And so I went in there, and Mike Park 2018 is like, all right, wrenchers, you know, help me out. And I got over 500 hits, over 20 mechanics throughout the nation. I get that. I get that. And it's, it's there. It's permanent. You can go in. You can see it. And, and all the stuff that I did, it didn't work. It worked. You know, it's just frustration. But it's amazing how people will chime in in the social media. But are we rooted in fear in that? Fear. Number five. Uh, fear declares you powerless. Powerless. In the face of these things that we fear, we can stand paralyzed and unable to act in faith. We, we crumble emotionally and physically. And, and, and this, this fear flies right in the face of the truth of Scripture. God says in 1 Peter 5, to resist and stand strong in the faith. Can I get an amen? So church, here's the thing. We are equipped by the Holy Spirit to stand in His power. The Bible says that. And so we need to not allow the enemy and say, what do you do with fear? I address it as a spirit. Sometimes I don't recognize it and I get so involved and I'm thinking, you know what? My whole spirit is agitated and I have to take authority over the enemy right there. And I have to declare, in Jesus' name, I bind the spirit of fear. I will not operate in fear. God has not given me a spirit of fear but of power, love, and a sound mind. You've got to say it. You've got to speak the word. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. So don't allow fear. To make declarations over your life, much less that you are powerless. And then finally, fear denies God's presence and work in our life. Fear isolates us, convincing us that we stand alone. What does faith do? Faith recognizes and expresses itself in community. Fear leaves us with an insatiable, uh, excuse me, an instability and an uncertainty. What does faith do? Faith instills purpose and hope, even in the midst of suffering. Faith. Fear convinces us that we are beyond help. Faith humbly turns to God for help. Stand with me if you would, please. If we get the ushers to come forward and bring the communion. We're going to receive communion. And here, as we pray, but I really feel that God wants to do something with the spirit of fear. And as I was speaking, I, I trust the Holy Spirit was speaking through me to you on this issue with fear. Maybe something's been brewing and stirring in your heart that you really felt that, that God wants you to do. And you got to break that spirit of fear. I believe this, the presence of God is here to break that, to break that. Hallelujah. Every head bowed, please. Thank you, God. We thank you, Lord. You're here this morning as a pastor. I, I have, I have fear even about the future for my eternal well-being. I, I don't have confidence that I, God forbid, if I died, I'd go to heaven. God is speaking to you right now with every head bowed. You're here this morning, and you don't have that assurance of salvation. The Bible says, now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. You can move from fear to faith. Fear to faith. 
and simply receiving Christ in his life, in your life. That's you. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I, I want to make heaven my home. I want to know that when I die, heaven is my home. And also to live this life without fear. That's you. Let's pray corporately. Say with me. Say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, I need you. Come into my life. Save me. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me, O Lord. Fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today in the ministry of God's Word. My prayer today is that you will experience a new revelation of who Christ is in you. Feel free to make as many copies of this message as you like. For more information about Church for the Harvest scheduled ministry times and meeting place, please visit us at churchfortheharvest.com or contact the church office at 320-759-1400. At Church for the Harvest, you belong.